we're nothing special, I'm no one special, but we know that Your Word is special. We know that Your Word has power. And Lord, as we look at this passage, and we're just going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through this book, Lord, but I know that tonight, this passage is the right passage for these people tonight. And Lord, I know that You can speak to us through Your Word, and I pray You would. I pray that the Holy Spirit would come upon me and help me as I attempt to deliver the Word tonight. I pray You'd minister to my heart. I pray You'd minister to the hearts of everyone here. Help us to be attentive, Lord. Help me to be able to say the things, Father, that You would have me to say. In Your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going through the book of Hosea there, and you, we find ourselves in Hosea chapter 12. If you look at verse number 1, and just by way of introduction, I want to share a few things with you there. Hosea chapter number 12, if you look at verse 1, the Bible says, Ephraim, and I want you to notice this phrase here, Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind. Now, we're going to talk about that a little bit towards later on in the passage, but I want you to understand that when it says, Ephraim feedeth on wind, and followeth after the east wind. Okay, the east wind there uh, represents something. Let me let me just show you. Keep your finger there in Hosea. Go to the book of Genesis with me just real quickly. Genesis 41. And you'll find that in Hosea chapter 12, God makes multiple references to the book of Genesis. And we're not going to look at all of them, uh, but we'll look at a few of them. Genesis chapter number 41. Genesis chapter number 41. And look at verse number 6. Genesis chapter 41. And look at verse number 6. The Bible says this. And I don't have time to go through the context here. But if you remember the story. Joseph uh, has been in prison. And Joseph has been summoned out of prison by Pharaoh. Pharaoh has a dream. And is having trouble with people interpreting. Uh, He was told that Joseph has the ability to... Uh, interpret dreams through God, obviously. And if you look at there at uh, Genesis chapter 41, look at verse number 6. Genesis 41 and verse number 6, the Bible says, And behold, uh, seven thin ears and blasted with the, and I want you to notice this, the east wind sprung up after them. Okay, so you remember uh, King, uh, Pharaoh there had a dream. He had a dream that there came up seven uh, uh, ears there that were full, that were that were uh, favored, that were uh, a good stock. And then he saw seven uh, thin ears come up after them, and they devoured the ones that were full. Go, go down to verse number 23. Same chapter, verse 23. Look at what he says there. Same chapter, verse 23. And behold, seven ears withered, could you see that word withered, thin, do you see the word thin, and blasted with the east wind, do you see that, the east wind sprung up after them, go to verse number 27, same chapter, verse 27, and the seven thin and ill-favored kind, remember we had two dreams, the second was about the fat kind, and then the fat kind were eaten up or ate up by the thin and ill kind. And of course we know the picture there was the fact that they were going to have seven years of plenty. And seven years of plenty were going to be followed with seven years of, of, of famine. And that was the, the dream there. But I just want you to see this verse 27. And the seven thin and ill favored kind that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blasted with the east wind shall be seven years of famine. So I want you to understand 
understand this. Go, go back to Hosea. But I want you to understand this. The east wind. And, and there's multiple references to the east wind. And we could spend the whole night just looking at that concept through the Bible. But the east wind, in a lot of ways, represents uh, starvation. Represents vanity or idleness. It represents weakness. Represents sickness. Represents the judgment of God. And Hosea, speaking to the children of Israel here, specifically uh, the northern kingdom, that he's been referring to the entire book as Ephraim. If you look at Hosea chapter 12 verse 1, he says, Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind. Now notice, he daily increaseth lies and desolation. Does that sound like something negative or positive? That's negative. And they do make a covenant. Now you understand this, right? Remember when we started the book of Hosea? We talked about the fact that the book of Hosea and the ministry of the prophet Hosea was about 20 to 25, maybe 30 years before the Assyrians came and captured Israel. Remember, the Assyrians are going to come and they're going to destroy and they're going to beat uh, down the Israelites and they're going to capture them and put them in captivity. Okay, the Assyrians are going to do that. But notice verse 1. Ephraim feedeth on wind and followeth after the east wind. He daily increases the light and desolation. And they do make a covenant with the Assyrians. You see that? They're making a covenant with the people that are going to come and capture them in about 20 years. And oil, no doubt that's the olive oil that was in so much plentiness there in Israel. Oil is carried unto Egypt. And what we can learn from that is this. You go ahead and start making friendships and deals with the world. You make covenants with the things of this world and the lust of this world and the sin of this world. And it won't be too long before you are serving that world and serving that sin. And you are in bondage to that sin. These people, they made a covenant with Assyria. Instead of turning to God, they turned to the Assyrians. And 20, 25 years later, they are serving the Assyrians. Look at verse 2. The Lord hath also a controversy. The word controversy there means he's got an issue. He's got a problem. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah. Judah is a reference to the southern kingdom of Israel. And will punish Jacob. Jacob, if you, and, I, and I wish I had time to just go through all of this, but you, you need to study this out on your own, or just take my word for it if you'd like, but you should study it out on your own. But if you remember, Jacob was the son of Isaac, who later on was named Israel. Remember, his, his name was changed to Israel, and he had 12 sons who became the 12 sons of Israel, and eventually became the 12 tribes of Israel. Jacob would be a, a, a picture there of the entire nation. Now, you got to understand this. Look at verse 2. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah, and will punish Israel. That's Jacob. According to his ways... According to his doings, will he recompense him? Now you got to understand this. He begins to use the man Jacob as an illustration or a picture of the nation of Israel. And there's three points that are found through this passage. I want you to see them. Skip down to verse number 5. We're going to go back to verse number 3 and work our way down to verse 5. But I want you to look at verse 5. The Bible says, Even the Lord God of hosts... The Lord is His. Now, who are we talking about? We're talking about Jacob. The Lord is His. Make note of this word. Memorial. Do you see that? The word memorial means to remember. Around here, we uh, in the United States, we have a day called Memorial Day. It's a day we have set aside to remember the fallen soldiers. 
in the Bible, all throughout the Bible, they would set these memorials in, in the book of Joshua. They would set these memorials so that they could always look back and remember what God had done for them. And here you see, and I want you to, if, if you're taking notes, point number one tonight, I want you to understand this. We see in this passage, Jacob's memorial. Jacob's memorial. And God is explaining. Now remember, He's talking to Jacob, but He's talking to the nation of Israel using the example of this man Jacob. And He says, you know, Jacob, talking to Israel, but He says, Jacob, if you would remember, He said, if you would go back in your memory, you said, well, what am I remembering? What is the memorial? Look at verse 3. And like I said, I wish we had time to go through this, but you'll have to study this on your own. These, These are all passages referencing back to the book of Genesis, verse 3, He took His brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. Do you remember the story of Jacob and Esau? Remember when Jacob was born? He was, he, it was him and his twin brother Esau. Remember, he took his brother by the heel, and, and, he, and he pulled him in and made, and made sure he could... God is referencing to the back. Here's what He's telling the children of Israel. He's telling because the children of Israel are the children of who? Of Jacob. Where did they come back? They come from. They came from Jacob. And He's telling the children of Israel, He's telling, I remember when you were born. Remember we talked about that last week. Remember we talked about the love that He had for the children of Israel. He loved them like a father. He says, you know, this nation that I'm looking at, he says, I remember when you were born. He says, uh, uh, he took his brother by the heel in the womb, and by his strength he had power with God. But not only he says, not only do, do I remember when you were born, notice what he says. He says, I remember when you came to God. Now, in our vernacular, or in the New Testament way of referring that, he, he would say, I remember when you got saved. He said, I remember when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 4. I wish we had time to look at it, but we don't. You have to study it on your own. He says, yea, he had power over the angel. Remember when uh, Jacob met with the angel of the Lord? Remember when he met there with a man and he wrestled with a man all night long? Do you remember that? Remember Jacob was coming back? He, he ran away from his home because he was a deceiver, because he was a liar. But he was then coming back to his home. And before he came back, he was scared and he was afraid because he had to meet with his brother Esau. And remember the Bible says there met with him a man and that man was here. Remember they wrestled and they wrestled all night long. Remember Jacob was beating the angel. And the angel had to touch the hollow of his thigh. And the Bible says that Jacob would not let the angel go. Do you remember what he wanted? Jacob said, I want a blessing. Do you remember that? And at that time, if you read that story, the angel told Jacob, he said, he said thou shalt be called no more Jacob. He changed his name to Israel. You say, what is that a picture? Here's, you understand this. Whenever you get saved, and I'm not saying that that's the time that Jacob got saved, but there's a picture there. Whenever you get saved, you get a new name. You become a new creature. You become a new person. Do you notice the tendency that God has in the Bible to change people's names? He says, your name is no longer Abram, it will be Abraham. He said, your name is no longer Simon, it's Peter. He says, your name is no longer Jacob, it's Israel. He says, your name is no longer Saul, it's Paul. Do you understand what I'm saying? You understand this, when you get saved, you become a new person. God is telling the children of Israel, He said, I was there when you were born. He said, I was there when you came to Christ. Now, now notice, we're, giving, we're given a commentary in Hosea that's not found in the story of Genesis. Look at verse 4. He says, Yea, he had power over the angel, 
and prevailed. Now, the story in Genesis doesn't tell us this. The Bible says, He wept and made supplication. Do you know what the word supplication means? It means to ask humbly. It means to make a humble request. God is telling us, now if you would read the story of Genesis, you would not find those details. But God here is telling us that not only was Jacob injured, not only was he wrestling, not only was he asking for a blessing, the Bible says he was weeping, he was crying, there was tears, he was making supplication, he was humbled, he was crying out to God. Look what he says, unto him he found him in Bethel, and there he spake with us. He said, this is what God is telling Jacob. He says, do you remember when you came to Jesus Christ? said, remember how humble you were? Remember how much need you were in? He said, I remember when, when, when you were wrestling with the angel, and you were crying, and you were weeping, and you were asking God, and you are saying, God, I need help. God, I can't do it. God, I need your blessing. And God is saying to the children of Israel, He said, I wish you would remember how you were when I found you. Now keep your finger there on Hosea. Go to the book of Psalm. Psalm 40. Go to Psalm 40. Look at verse number 2. Psalm 40, verse number 2. Actually, look at verse 1. Psalm 40 and verse 1, the Bible says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me, and heard my cry. Now look, I don't care if you were saved when you were 4 years old or 40 years old. I don't care if you were saved out of, out of a, 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 a life of drunkenness and drugs, if you were saved and you were a religious person that didn't believe in Jesus Christ. I don't care where you came out of. When you got saved, the Bible says, look at verse 2, we can all say this, He brought me up also out of a horrible pit. The Bible says that if you do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, the wrath of God abideth on you. It doesn't matter how good you are, it doesn't matter how friendly you are, it doesn't matter how clean you are, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, it doesn't matter how Establish my goings. Go, go to go to First Samuel. You say, what, what's the problem? Go, go to First Samuel. We'll look at the the story of Saul. Remember Saul in the Bible, first king in Israel, other than Abimelech <laughs> that we learned about on Sunday night. First Samuel fifteen. So you gotta understand this. Usually, when we come to Christ, we come to Christ humbled. Usually when we come to Christ, we realize that we are in need. We're in need of something. My sin has condemned me to hell. I need Jesus Christ. And sometimes our lives are physically falling apart when we come to Christ. And God uses those circumstances to bring us to Christ. But you know when we get in trouble? is when we forget how God found us. When, see, here's what happens. You get saved, the Holy Spirit starts working inside of you. All of a sudden, your life starts getting cleaned up. All of a sudden, all the issues and all the problems and all the sin and all those issues that you had before, you don't start, and, and you go a few years and the money's good, the finances are good, the job's good, the family's good, the marriage is good. We start forgetting how it was that we were when we went to Christ. Amen. And the danger there, look at 1 Samuel 15, look at verse 17. Remember, Saul has sinned against God here, and I don't have time to go through it, you can study that on your own as well. I love giving you homework. 
1 Samuel 15, look at verse 17. Notice what Samuel says to Saul and his sin. He says, And Samuel said, And Samuel said, When thou was little in thine own sight, was thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? Samuel is telling Saul, he says, Saul, you know what your problem is? You have pride. You understand this. And one of these Sunday mornings, I'm going to preach a sermon on this. But the fastest way to remove the blessing of God on your life, the fastest way to get God to be anti-you, is to allow your heart to be lifted up in pride. The Bible says that God resisteth the proud. The Bible says that the fastest way, John said, He must increase, I must decrease. God says when you are humble, when you lower yourself, He'll exalt you. But when you exalt yourself, He'll bring you down. Remember, that's what He did to Satan. Satan said, I will... He said, he said seven, I think seven times, Satan said, I, I, I. He said, I will exalt myself. He said, I will be like the Most High. He said, I will be like God. And God says, no, you won't. And Samuel says to Saul here, he says, look, when I was little in thine own sight, he said, God exalted you. The problem with you now, Saul, is that you think you're big stuff. You think you've came quite a ways. You think you've done a lot. And now God's going to bring you down. See, God says, I wish you would remember... Go, go to Revelation. Revelation chapter number 2. Revelation chapter number 2. And keep your finger there in Revelation because we're going to come back to Revelation later on in the study. But, but go to Revelation chapter number 2. Look at verse number 5. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5. Revelation chapter 2 verse 5. Remember, the Lord Jesus Christ here is dealing with the different churches. And dealing with the church of Ephesus. Notice the advice he gives them, Revelation 2 5. He says, Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come unto thee quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place, except thou repent. Let me ask you a question. Do you remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen? Do you remember how it was when you first got saved? Remember how sweet it was to read the Bible? Remember how excited you were to preach the gospel? Remember how excited you were to share your testimony? How excited you were to give the gospel to someone? How excited you were to go to church or spend time in prayer or fellowship? Remember how exciting it was? He said, I first got saved. And he says about these people, he said, the problem I have with you is that you've lost your first love. He said, here's what he says. He says, I wish you would remember. And that's what he's telling the children of Israel. If you go back, keep your finger on Revelation. We're going to come back to it. But what God is telling the children of Israel, He says, He says, I was there when Jacob came to Jesus Christ. I remember when Jacob's name got changed to Israel. I remember when I put the blessing on his life. He said, I remember how weak and how, uh, how humble you were. He said, Jacob's memorial, I wish you would remember how you were. I want you to notice this. He said, number one, well, look at verse 6, Hosea chapter 12, verse 6. He says, if you would remember, now notice what he says. You see the word, therefore? Somebody said, many preachers have said this, but somebody said to me, whenever you see the word therefore in the Bible, you might want to find out what it's there for. And the word therefore is referencing to the fact the prior. Here's what he's saying. Look at verse 5. Even the Lord God of hosts, the Lord is His memorial. He says, if you will remember the Lord, if you will have a memorial of the Lord, He says, therefore, turn thou to thy God, keep mercy and judgment, and wait on thy God continually. He says, if you would remember where God saved you out of, you would therefore turn back to that God. Now look at verse 7. 
We said number one, and if, if you don't mind writing or highlighting your Bible, in verse 5 there, I would, I would underline that word memorial. Memorial. But I want you to underline another word. Look at verse number 7. The Bible says in verse 7, He is a merchant. Do you see the word merchant there? I don't underline that word merchant. You have the word memorial. We talked about Jacob's memorial. Number two, we have the word merchant. I want you to understand, God says, Jacob's memorial, but God says, I want you to know this also. I want you to know the problem is Ephraim's merchandise. Now look, notice what he says, verse 7. He says, he, now a new paragraph has started. It says, he is a merchant. The balances of deceit are in his hands. He loveth to oppress. And Ephraim said, yet... Now notice what Ephraim said. Yet I am become rich. I found me out substance. In all my labors they shall find none iniquity in me. Uh, me uh, that were sin. Now, obviously God has spent the, the, most of the entire book of Hosea explaining to us the sin of Ephraim. But Ephraim says, look at me. I'm rich. I have substance. I'm doing well. He says, I don't have any sin. You know what it reminds me? Reminds me of that Pharisee. Remember that Pharisee? He went up and he said, I fast twice in a week. I do this, I do that. He said, I'm not like this publican. See, here's what happens. You start getting proud. Things start going well. You start getting proud. And then you start thinking that maybe you are as good as you thought. You really think you are. You're pretty good. Sin? That pastor's crazy. Always preaching about sin. Always preaching about what I'm doing wrong. That's pride. Not acknowledging sin is pride. And by the way, you understand that all sin is rooted in pride. But he says, verse 8, Ephraim said, Yet I am become rich. I find me out substance in all my labors. They shall find none iniquity in me. Now you understand this, okay? God is telling these people, He said, your problem is that you have been too blessed. He said, you have wealth and you have merchandise. You are... Comfortable and cannot be inconvenienced. Look at... Did you keep your finger there in Revelation? Go to Revelation chapter 3. Notice what God says about another church. Revelation chapter number 3. Revelation chapter 3. And I would pray that God by His Spirit would allow you to identify this in our lives. Revelation chapter 3. Look at verse 14. Revelation 3.14 the Bible says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Let me tell you something. You ought to get in or you ought to get out. But God says if you're just kind of straddling the, face, the, the fence, you can't figure out whether you're in or out. You can't figure out whether you're hot or cold. He said, that makes me sick. He said, I don't want to spew you out of my mouth. Verse 17. Now notice what he says. Because thou sayest. Now notice what this church of Laodicea was saying. They said, I am rich. Do you see that? And increase with goods. And I need of nothing. Now notice what God, they, that's what they said. They said, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But notice what God says, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. He says, you think you're rich. You think you got it put together. You're comfortable. But God says, spiritually, you're naked. Spiritually, you're wretched. You've got to understand this. Go, go back to those there. You've got to understand this. And in America, it is so uh, uh, important.
understand this. We have been so mightily blessed of God. The poorest person in America is richer than the average person in the world. We have been so mightily blessed of God, have been given so many blessings, so are so uh, convenient with the clothes, with the food. I mean, you can't start, you can starve in America if you try. And yet, because we think that we are rich and increased with good, listen to me, we get comfortable and we cannot be bothered with the things of God. Why is it that the average Christian doesn't want to go so away? Why is it that the average Christian can't be bothered to read their Bible every day? Can't be bothered to pray every day? Can't be bothered to get the sin out of their life? Can't be bothered to serve God? Why is it? I'll tell you exactly why it is. Because we are comfortable. Because of our merchandise. See, if God took away your TV, if God took away your computer, if God took away your internet, if God took away your car, if God took away your job, I promise you more people would be running to God. You say, you don't think I serve God because of my computer? I know, you don't. I know we don't serve God because of that. Why is it that people decide they're going to come to God when they lose their house? Now look, if God's got to take your house to bring you to God, I'd rather you get to heaven and not have a house. But let me tell you something. Our merchandise has made us be apathetic. And we decide, oh, let the whole world go to hell. Who cares? Not my problem. God says, Jacob's memorial would bring you back to me. He says, the problem is Ephraim's merchandise. Now, now listen. L- look at verse number 8. Notice, the whole, the whole chapter is rooted in this idea of being humble. Remember he said of Jacob, he said he wept, he made supplication, he asked humbly. Notice what he says in verse 8. And Ephraim said, Yet I am become rich, and have found me out substance, and all my labors, they shall find an iniquity in me, that were sin. Now look at verse 9. And I that am, that's the great I am, the Lord. I that am Lord thy God. Now notice what he says. From the land of Egypt. And he makes a reference to the fact that he brought them out of Egypt. Notice what he says. Will make thee to dwell in tabernacles. Do you see that? Will make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in, or in the same way, in the days of the solemn feast. Keep your finger there on Hosea. Go with me to uh, the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter number 16. You ever been studying through, reading through the books of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy? And you come across those different feasts. You know what I'm talking about? Those probably make no sense to you. They didn't make any sense to me. (laughs) And one of these days we'll study, we'll study through the book of Leviticus. And we'll, we'll look at all those offerings and all those feasts there. But you know, a feast that always stood out to me, and maybe it stood out to you if you've read the Bible much. You ever wondered what that Feast of Booths was? You ever seen that? The Feast of Booths? I always thought when I would read that, I thought, man, that, what, what is that? Is that like a carnival? <laughs> They're having like a, a fair? They're setting up booths, you know? Moses is sitting up there, you know, on top of a water tank or something, and they're trying to like hit the thing so get them wet. What are they doing? And there's a little more to it than just that, and it's not that. But but look at look at Deuteronomy 16. Look at verse 13. Deuteronomy 16:13. We got we got to move quickly. I got 15 minutes. Deuteronomy 16:13. Look what it says. Thou shalt observe. Deuteronomy 16:13. Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles. Do you see that? Now now keep giving in Deuteronomy. Do, do you have do you have your finger in Hosea? Go to Hosea real quickly. Hosea 12. Look at verse 9. 
And I that am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt will yet make thee to dwell in tabernacles. You see the word tabernacles. Will make thee to dwell in tabernacles as in the days of the solemn feast, right? So he said, I'm going to make you dwell in tabernacles like in the days of the feast. Now the feasts were celebrations. They were religious holidays, religious celebrations. Go back to Deuteronomy uh, uh, 16. Look at verse 13. Thou, we're going to learn about these feasts here. He says, Thou shalt observe the feast of tabernacles. Do you see that? The feast of tabernacles seven days. So this feast was supposed to last for seven days. Look at verse uh, number... Uh, let's see. Well, let's just keep reading. Look at verse uh, 14, or, or 13. Thou shalt observe the feast... I'm sorry, we read that. Verse 14. No, we didn't read that. We didn't finish reading it. That's what it is. Verse 13. Thou shalt observe the feast of the tabernacle seven days, after that thou hast gathered in thy corn and thy wine. So I want you to notice it. You have a feast called the Feast of the Tabernacles. When were they to do the Feast of the Tabernacles? After they gathered what? The corn and wine. Okay? So they had a harvest, and immediately after the harvest, they were to have this Feast of the Tabernacle. What is the Feast of the Tabernacle? Look at verse 14. And thou shalt rejoice in thy feast, thou and thy son, and thy daughter, and thy man uh, servant, and thy maidservant, and the Levite, and the, the stranger, and the fatherless, and the widow that are within thy gates. Now notice what he says. He's telling them how they're going to have this feast. Seven days thou shalt keep a solemn feast unto the Lord thy God in the place with which the Lord shall choose, because the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase and in all the works of thine hands, therefore thou shalt surely rejoice. Okay, so here's what I want you to understand. The Feast of the Tabernacles, they were to have a harvest, they were to bring in the wine, and they were supposed to bring in those things, and once they got done bringing that in, they were supposed to go to this Feast of Tabernacles. It was going to last seven days, and the reason was that the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thine increase, their profit, their money, and all the work of thine hand. Now they just brought in a big harvest, right? Go to, uh, let's see, where do I want you? Go to Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. We, we got to hurry up. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus 23. Leviticus 23. Look at verse number 41. Leviticus 23, look at verse 41. Leviticus 23, verse 41. This Bible study, right? So we'll study the Bible. Leviticus 23, look at verse 41. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days. Do you see that? We got the feast of seven days in the year. It shall be a statue forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Now that's the same feast as the Feast of Tabernacles. It's supposed to be in the seventh month. Verse 42. Ye shall dwell in booths. You see the word booth there. Seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. Now you say, what are those booths? The word booths means tabernacle. The word tabernacle means tent. I want you to understand this, okay? Every year, the children of Israel were to go out and bring in their harvest, bring in their money, bring in what made them rich. Then they were to go, and for seven days, they were to set up a tabernacle, or a booth, a tent. And they lived in that tent for seven days while they had this feast of the tabernacles. You say, what were they doing? Were they camping for seven days? Well, kind of. They were kind of camping, but there's a reason why God had them do this. Look at verse 
Uh, you're there in Leviticus 23. Look at verse 40. Let's just read 41 again. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generation. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. Verse 43. That your generations may know that I may... Now notice, here's why you're doing it. That your generations may know. What does he want them to know? That I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Do you see that? Go back to Hosea. You say, what's the purpose of the Feast of Tabernacles? Here's the purpose. These people owned property. These people owned houses. These people owned buildings. They were in cities. They were farming. They were doing agriculture. They were bringing in a harvest. They were bringing in a feast. But when they brought in that harvest, they then were to go live in a tent for seven days. Why? To remember. Did you guys that? To remember. What are they remembering? Remember, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. And for 40 years, they wandered in the wilderness. Well, guess what? When you are a nomad... When you are a traveler, remember, they didn't have a house in the wilderness. What did they live in? Tents. They lived in tents. Remember, even the house of the Lord was, the tabernacle was a tent. And God is telling them, He's reminding them, He's saying, look, you didn't always have a harvest. You didn't always have a field. You didn't always have this blessing and this money and this income. You used to be a wanderer. You used to live in tents. And I want you to live in tents for seven days. When you bring in that harvest, just to remind you where I brought you from. Amen. You understand that? See, what God is doing is He says, I want to bless you. I want to give you... Mer-. Look, the Bible says that God is the one that gives us the strength to get well. God says, I want to bless you. I want to, I want, do, do you understand this? And I'm not a prosperity preacher. Do you understand that God wants to bless your life? God doesn't want you to struggle financially. Now you may. Job did. But, it, but what's the, what's the, read the book of Job. What, what happens at the end of the story? God restores them all. Sometimes we blame, why do I struggle financially? You struggle financially because you don't know how to handle your money. It's nothing to do with God. Why is God doing this to me? God didn't do it to you. McDonald's did. <laughs> and your inability to budget. But you know, God wants to bless you. But the idea is this. Sometimes we get so blessed of God, we forget where He brought us from. And God says, do you remember when you used to live in tabernacles? Do you remember when you used to live in tents? He's like, it wasn't always like this. He said, this happened because of my blessing. See, what God's trying to say is He's trying to tell them, will you humble yourself? Will you realize what I've done for you? Look at verse number, look, point number three. You're there in Hosea 12. We've got, we got to finish this up. Look at, look at Hosea 12. Look at verse number 11. Well, look at verse 10. I have also spoken by the prophets and have multiplied visions used similitude by the, I want you to analyze this word, ministry. Do you see that word there? So we underlined memorial, we underlined merchant, we underlined ministry. He said, by the ministry of the prophets. We said, number one, Jacob's memorial. We said, number two, Ephraim's merchandise. And number three, I want you to see God's ministers. You know that God gave you a preacher? Not God gave you a church. Go, 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 to, go to Ephesians chapter 4. Real quickly. We're almost done. I got, I got five minutes anyway. It's only 8.10. In five minutes, it'll be 8.15 and we'll be done, okay? Go, go to Ephesians. Galatians, Ephesians. You go to Philippians, you went a little too far. Ephesians chapter 4. I know we've looked at these verses before, but I want you to see them again. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 
I love it when God, you know, I, you know what I love about the evening service of Sunday night, Wednesday night? Is that we're, po- we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter through the Bible, so nobody can say, Pastor, you preach that because of me. No, I preach that because it's in the text. <laughs> but you know, I, I couldn't plan these things out if I tried. But I want, look at Ephesians chapter number 4, look at verse number 11. The Bible says, and he gave some apostles. Now he gave some apostles, he didn't give all apostles. The ministry of the apostles, by the way, has ceased. There are no apostles today. Someone says to you, I'm apostle so-and-so. They are a liar. Because one of the requirements to be a, a, an apostle was to have seen the Lord Jesus Christ face to face. And Paul said that he was the last person to see Christ and no one else will ever see him again until we all see him again coming in the clouds. Alright? So somebody says to you, I'm Apostle so-and-so. Oh, really? Have you seen Christ? Yeah, I saw him. I always, somebody told me to do this and I think it's a good day. Somebody ever told you they saw Christ? Ask him, did he have long hair or short hair? Because <laughs> the Bible says that it is, uh, it, 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 it's wrong, it is against nature for a man to have long hair. And you say, well, I saw these pictures of Jesus and they, he had long hair. Let me, let me just, you know, clue you in on something. Those pictures aren't real. <laughs> those people, those pictures were written, were drawn during the Renaissance, thousand, you know, almost a thousand years after Christ. They're not real. Nobody's ever seen Christ. Nobody ever took a picture of him. Nobody knows what he looks like. But I promise you this: he had short hair, because the Bible says that men are to have short hair. And I don't know what that had to do with anything. But look, look at verse uh, eleven. And he gave some apostles and some prophets. And some evangelists, and some pastors. Do you have a pastor? And some teachers. Now, why do he give you a pastor? Why would he give you evangelists? Why would he give you teachers? Notice what he, why he does this. Verse 12. For. The word for means because. Because of. For the purpose of. Here. For the perfecting of the saints. That's you and I. God wants to perfect us. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to be perfect in the sense you and I think we're perfect. But he wants to make us complete. He wants to make us whole. For the perfecting of the saints. Okay, so the reason you have a pastor is to try to help you get perfected. Not only that, but for the work of the ministry. That's why I'm always preaching and teaching. That you ought to get involved in ministry. You ought to serve. Why? Because God says He gave you a pastor for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, for the building up. The word edify. You ever heard the Spanish word for building is edificio? Comes from the same root words. For the building up. The edifying of the body of Christ. That's you and I. So what am I supposed to do as a pastor? Help perfect you. Help you get to work in the ministry. Help to edify you. Verse 13. Till or until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Say, Pastor Jimenez, I've been coming to church for a year now. Uh, I've been coming to church for two years now. I've been coming to church for three years now. I've been coming to church for four years now. We well, haven't been coming to this church for four years. <laughs> We're only three years old. When do I have to stop coming to church? When you're like Jesus Christ? When you get to the place where you can say, I'm like Jesus Christ, the stature of the fullness of Christ, then you can stop coming to church. Till then, guess what? You need Bible study. Till then, you need preaching. Till then, you need fellowship. Now, understand this. I, 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 it's of God. I, I didn't plan this, brother. And I hope he doesn't get a, get offended. But brother, brother Dan, put in a prayer request 
What was your prayer request, brother? You said that the believers in this area would... What, what was that that you said? Uh, would appreciate the treasure they have here at Verity Baptist Church. Now, now, please understand what I'm about to say. And I'm not saying this. I hope you understand. I'm not saying this with an arrogant attitude. But churches like Verity Baptist Church are very few and far between. Amen. Ask Brother Dan, who moved here from Antioch, to come to the church. Ask Brother... I hope, I hope Brother Graham doesn't get offended me point him out. Ask Brother Graham, who drives faithfully three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and so on Saturday, from Manteca to come to this church. Ask Brother Alessandro, who drives every week from San Jose to come to our church. Why? Because we're special? Why? Because of our facilities? Yeah, I'm sure that's it. <laughs> no, it's because churches that actually preach and teach the Bible, there's very few of them. Amen. Now look, if you're looking for a, a church that has a rock concert, you can find a whole lot of that. If you're looking for a church with a 10-minute, 15-minute, 20-minute sermonette, you can find a whole lot of that. But a church that you actually can come and hear the Bible preach and it's, and, it's, and it's not watered down, you don't find a lot of that. And guys, you see, the sad part is, these, these guys, you know why these guys appreciate this church? Because they looked around for churches. They couldn't find one like this. You know what the sad part is? Well, you've got a church, you got a church like this down the street and, and you come, you know, if it's not inconvenient. Our problem is too much merchandise. I promise we're too comfortable. God gave you ministers. He, and God is telling Hosea, you can go back to Hosea there. He said, I, I gave you the prophets. You didn't listen to them. They walked in and they said, thus saith the Lord God, and you ignored it. He said, you were too full of yourself. Now notice what he says. Let me just give you this, and i, I got to finish up. Good night, I'm, I'm already past my time. Just look at verse 12, okay? Remember, he keeps referencing back to Genesis and Jacob. Look at verse 12. Jacob fled into the country of Syria. Remember when Jacob fled to Syria? And Israel served for a while. You remember the story of Jacob? Remember the story of Jacob? He went into Syria, okay? He finds a girl. He likes the girl. He goes to the, the, the father, who is his uncle. That's how they did it back then. <laughs> and he says, hey, listen, I want to work for this girl. Hey, that, that's a good concept, man. Let me tell you something. You know, people ask me, do you think that we should get married? Are you working? <laughs> no. Well, then you shouldn't get married. A husband should work. Amen. And he worked, now do you remember, he worked seven years for this girl. Do you remember that? The day of his wedding night, he got tricked. Why? Because you reap what you sow. Remember, he tricked his brother out of a blessing. He got tricked out of a blessing. He got tricked, married the wrong girl, didn't realize it. Because she had her veil covered and all that. He worked another seven years for this girl. Fourteen years. For one girl. That's what he's referencing. Look at verse, look at verse 12. And Jacob fled into the country of Syria, and Israel served for a wife. For a wife he kept sheep. Now, do you remember why he went there to begin with? Do you remember why? He did not want to marry a Canaanite girl. He could have married any worldly girl. But he said, I'm going to go into Syria. I'm going to wait. I'm going to work. I'm going to do what I have to do. See, here's what God is saying. God is telling the children of Israel, there was a time in your history when it was important to you to be separated. It was important to you to find a wife that believed in God. He said, but today, separation is not important to you. And, today, and let me tell you something. That's the society we live in right now. Christians say, well, I know the Bible says that I shouldn't be fornicating, but, you know, it's our society. No, it's not our society. It's the Word of God. Amen. 
Well, I know the Bible says I shouldn't do this. I know the Bible says we shouldn't drink alcohol, but I just do it in moderation, and we just laugh off the Word of God. God says your problem is you're too comfortable. He said if you remember where I saved you from, He says if you would get your heart humbled before me, we wouldn't make excuses as to why, well, I know the Bible says I'm supposed to tithe, but you know, that's, that's so old-fashioned. I know that, man. I mean, every time I walk in, that pastor tells me something I should or should be doing. Hey, it's the Word of God. God says, the, the, whole, here's, the whole concept of this chapter is this, humble yourself. Humble yourself. But of course they wouldn't. God has given these people one last... The, the ministry of Hosea was this. He's given these people one last chance. He says, I'm getting ready to bring judgment and I want to see if you would come back to me. Now it's interesting because in, in chapter 13, God is going to declare this nation dead. He's going to say, you're dead. You're dead to me. But notice what he says in verse 14. Okay, We're going to look at two verses. We're done. Verse 14. Ephraim provoked him to anger most bitterly. Therefore, God says, because of your actions, here's what I'm going to do. Therefore, shall he leave his blood upon him, and his reproach, notice that word reproach, shall the Lord return, notice that word return, unto him. You say, what is God saying? God is saying this, with the same contempt that you've treated me, I'm going to treat you. He said, with the same reproach you've reproached me, I'm going to return that to you. He said, you didn't care what I had to say about anything. When your calamity comes, I'll laugh at you. I'll mock at you. Read the book of Proverbs. God says it all throughout the book. He said, he said I'm going to put you in a place where you call out to me, but I'm not going to listen to you. Why? Because you got to understand this. You will always reap what you sow. See, I, I treat God like I don't care what He has to say about anything. God says, well, one day I'll treat you like I don't care what you have to say about anything. Look at verse 2. We're done right here. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah and will punish. You see that word punish? That's a negative word. I don't like going to churches where they use negative words. Well, the problem is when you start just preaching through the Bible, you start finding a whole lot of negative words. The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob. Say, why is God going to punish Jacob? Notice, will punish Jacob according to his ways. According to his doings, will he recompense him? You can't blame God. You can't blame God when the punishment comes. It's a recompense according to how we treat God. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we ask that you please use the Bible study tonight as a wake up call to all of us. Lord, I don't mean to preach negative sermons. I don't necessarily even enjoy preaching negative sermons. But it seems as though the message is often negative. It is often alarming because you want us to wake up. And you want us to realize that it's not a joke. Our sins grieve you. Our sin hurt you. The Bible says our sins have separated us from God. Father, our sin was so important to you that you sent your son to die for our sins. And yet we play with sin. We make excuses for sin. We just laugh it off. It's not that big of a deal. It's a big deal to you. But I pray you'd help us to realize, I pray you'd help us to remember 
how we were when you found us. I pray you'd help our merchandise and our convenience to not draw our hearts from you. Father, I pray you'd help us to leave here tonight not mad at the messenger, not mad at the minister, but thankful that you've given us a church that will preach the Bible. Lord, I pray you'd bless these dear people. Lord, I pray you'd help our hearts to get knitted towards you. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen.